Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself with Leo Flowers. First, I want to thank you all for rating it five stars on Apple Podcast, for sending and, and leaving all those messages about how we've been impacting your life, helped you through those tough times. It means a lot to me. It keeps me going, keeps the podcast going, and also it, it keeps the tribe going. Thank you so much for sharing the episodes, uh, and we're picking up new listeners. We're almost at that 100,000 uh, download mark, uh, so I really want to I really appreciate you, and I thank you, and uh, we're going to keep this puppy going. Uh, today, on today's episode, we have Carmen Margaziotis, who uh, she's a holistic anxiety and stress expert who also practices acupuncture And we get into a lot of valuable uh, tools and tactics on how to reduce stress and anxiety. Uh, Carmen also shares with us a very personal story about her struggle with postpartum depression and how she was able to uh, move through that and come out stronger on the other side. We talk about caffeine addiction, how to beat that. A lot of us are drinking caffeine in the morning. And then we know we're addicted because when we take those days off, we get the headaches and all the other withdrawal symptoms that come up uh, with that. We also discuss what people are mostly stressed about who come see her. We also get into why the words always, only, and never are the most dangerous words in our vocabulary. We cover Sunday scaries. A lot of you are terrified, a lot of us, I should say, not just you, but a lot of us are terrified about going into work on Monday. We have we have that anxiety, that angst that comes uh, up on Sunday called the Sunday Scaries, and we talk about how to process the stress of that. We also talk about uh, why people are ghosting, especially in relationships and dating and, and, and uh, the real reason not well, one of the main reasons why people get ghosted uh, when they think things are going so well in a relationship. We talk about the many uses of acupuncture and why uh, rubbing certain body parts can completely relax you and how to do that so that if you don't have time to go see a masseuse and you're sitting there in traffic and you're feeling your cortisol levels raise, what can you do? to immediately reduce your cortisol levels and uh, and bring you back to center. Uh, speaking of which, we talk about how to be present, how to be in the here and now, not thinking about the past, not thinking about the future, how to be right here, right now. We even cover how to become a billionaire. What is it that you need to say to yourself? We go into some self-talk. It's, uh, it's very... Very fascinating. Um, and then Carmen and I discuss how to ask yourself better questions. She has this thing called torture questions. And when we ask ourselves torture questions, uh, it gets us torturous results. And a lot of us do it. We ask ourselves torture questions. So listen for that. And, and then and we also will discuss how to ask ourselves productive questions. And along with that, the... The problem with shoulds and shouldn'ts that, you know, when we use those words in our vocabulary, how destructive that can be. Uh, then next we get into how to find the superhero inside. We all have a little superhero inside of us. And then, of course, if we're talking about stress and anxiety, we're also covering sleep and nutrition. Karma's going to share with us her non-caffeinated drink in the morning that gets her up and running and then we also go into her bedtime routine and um, one of her favorite books Uh, so stay tuned this is a great episode from beginning to end and let's get into it because so this is part two (laughs) We recorded, <laughs> we attempted to record yesterday, yes. and uh, at the very end of what was an amazing episode, mm-hmm. 
I realized I did not record the audio mm-hmm. for Carmen. And so now we're back at it. This is day two. Um, and then I forget the SD card for the podcast. <laughs> not, and, and, and then I go to get the SD card, and uh, it's the wrong SD card. A million things have happened, and now we're finally here. Yes. In a beautiful space. You have a wonderful uh, office space. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, just walking in, I go, oh, I'm 10 times more relaxed. I think, yeah, well, yeah, Palo Santo going? What is I that? did. I, like, after you left to get the SD card and it didn't work the first time, <laughs> I was like, oh, we need to clear the space <laughs> a little bit here. Okay. <laughs> 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 and, and what's so hilarious, too, is, I was watching your video about the the drink that you make because I, I read some oh, of your blogs. Yeah. And you're talking about your morning drink that's mm-hmm. a, a perfect substitute for caffeine. Yes. Which I love because I'm I'm not I don't do well with caffeine. Mm-hmm. And uh and I was gonna wake up early so I could make it. Oh. I was like, oh, let me go to the store, let me let me let me try this. And uh the schedule just didn't allow me to this morning. But then as I'm like running around getting this SD, I was like, I clearly needed that drink. Like, well, whatever was in that, the brain octane, I needed all those fats. I needed the cacao. I needed all the antioxidants. I needed everything that was in that drink this morning. I should have listened to my gut and uh, got up a little earlier and made it. Can you talk to us about, because I, I watched the video and I was like, oh, that looks delicious. Uh, can you mm-hmm. talk to us about what you're, you're – because so many people struggle with caffeine addiction. Yes, and it really is an addiction. Right. Um, I see, like, sometimes I have my friends do this reset, and we all do it together, and there's a part of it where you get off caffeine. Yeah. And everyone's always surprised that they have a headache and that how tired they feel. And I think a lot of us don't realize how – addicted we really are Mm -hmm. to it um but that we don't actually need it i know we live in coffee culture and it's really wildly unpopular to not drink coffee um but we really don't need it it's just to me it's an indication just that there's some other imbalance that you're just trying to overcompensate for right but you can just get your body in back in balance then you're not going to need that, and you're not going to have that horrible dip that comes from the, once the, the caffeine. Crash. Yeah, the crash. And then the withdrawal from, like you, you mentioned, from right. then not drinking it for a couple of days. Yeah. Which is very real because I never get headaches. And there was a period where I was drinking tons of caffeine. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I stopped, my, my head was throbbing for about three or four days. It's, it's wild. Real. Yeah. And I go through these phases where I start having like a little bit of caffeine, like in my tea or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I realized for me, it, it spikes cortisol so much that it makes it hard for me to lose weight. I'll notice that I'll start gaining weight just from the caffeine. Wow. And once I take that away, then it's like, oh, I can go back to normal again. Wow. I, I've experienced the same thing. And I, I, it, I do feel, because, you know, I think a lot of people drink caffeine to lose weight or to get shredded. But I think, it, like, it depends on your metabolism exactly. and your genetic makeup yes. in terms of how it affects you, right? Right. Because, I, yeah, I feel heavier with caffeine, like inflamed almost. Yes. And so it can be inflammatory, and it creates that cortisol spike for a lot of people. Um, it's just caffeine, for me, doesn't work. Um, do you prescribe to the blood type diet at all? Or are I you aware don't. Of it? Okay. I'm open to it, but mm-hmm. it didn't work for me. Okay. Um, so that was just not something. I tried it because I try everything. <laughs> I right, try. Right, right, right. But just for me, it didn't work. I know people that it's have like felt amazing on it, yeah. but it wasn't. What so? What is in your morning drink? Because and and you know, like I've I, I, and I put it in an intro more, but you know, I'm here with Carmen Margaziotis. Yes, very uh, nice. right, right, <laughs> boom. And um, I well, one, I'm like, I'm so big on names because mm-hmm. my first name is Leo, mm-hmm. and uh, but it the first full name is Leonard. But oh, when so I, it's not Leonard, right? And when I tell people it's Leonard, they go, it's not Leonard. 
Or you mean like Leonard? And I go, no, Leonard. Yeah. That's how you, that's how my mom pronounces it. And uh, and so when I hear people's names, it's so important to me for to get it yeah. phonetically uh, correct. Cause well, I, I'm impressed because Margaziotis <laughs> is not easy. <laughs> it's not. And, uh, but I also realize I have a, a knack for uh, different dialects, mm-hmm. so I can pronounce them. But um, but you're uh, a stress and anxiety, holistic stress and anxiety uh, expert. Yes. And, and that's why we're talking about, uh, we're talking about caffeine. Mm-hmm. Because when we talk about the things that can stress you out, uh, caffeine can be one of them because of the spike in cortisol levels. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So you feel like you're it's helping you get through your day, mm-hmm. but you're actually operating at you know a higher level of stress than you might need to. Right. So it, which is like that fight or flight. So yes. y- you're you're mistaking. That's interesting. You're mistaking fight for energy. Yes. Yes. Wow. That's deep. That yes. is deep. That yeah. is deep. I was like, oh, did y'all catch that? Did y'all? Because we're Instagram live also. <laughs> um, so can, what's what's in the drink? Can you okay, so what? Um, I've been using mushroom cacao. Okay. Four Sigmatic makes a great okay. mushroom coffee. I'm really big on these, on reishi. I really like reishi mushrooms because it's calming. Um and so the mushroom is the foundation. And then what else do I put in there? You got the collagen. I got the collagen. I always love my collagen. Okay. Got to keep my skin looking nice, okay. my hair good, um, and just uh, keep repairing. It repairs your digestive system. I do the grass-fed butter All right. for my healthy fat. Unsalted. Unsalted. Talk to us about the salt. It ma- well, it just makes it nasty. <laughs> oh, it makes it taste nasty. It makes it taste nasty. Oh, I thought you were removing the salt because of uh, like inflammation. Or no, in this case, I'm removing the salt because it's gross. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that is that is a technical yes. term, gross. <laughs> gross. <laughs> That's a T-shirt, right? Gross. gross. <laughs> and I include um, Bulletproof Brain Octane Oil, okay. which is super high in those essential fatty acids and really helps your brain work well. And so for me, that helps me feel awake. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I add maca powder, which also contributes to that you know, natural energy. Okay. So the, the, the collagen, because you use a, a powdered collagen, mm-hmm. are there natural forms of collagen? Well, you can make bone broth. Okay. And um, some people have bone broth in the morning. Right. And that's amazing. I do that sometimes wow. too. And so my system also doesn't work well with cold. So I know some people love doing the smoothies in the morning. Yeah. That just my constitution does better with warm things in the morning. So a bone broth is great. This sort of, you know, alternative beverage in the morning is a good way if you do better on warm stuff. Interesting because I don't do well with cold either. Um, and I and I had a buddy, he went to a um like a retreat center spa or whatever for like a few days. And he said they have cold remedies and hot remedies mm. depending on your energy. Mm-hmm. And he's definitely a person who runs very hot. Mm-hmm. So they were applying cold remedies to him. Like if it was if it was water, it was cold water. And if you ran hot, then you got the, you know, it was like, uh, it was the opposite yeah. of, of what you did. Which I was like, that makes sense because like I love heat and I I not that I hate cold, but yes, I don't gravitate towards it. I don't yeah. I don't thrive in, in the cold. But saunas, steam rooms, things like that, that that reboots my system and gets me going. And and uh, and I realize like if I don't sweat, if I don't get that heat going. Um, it, there's a dip in my energy and, and in my mood. Like yeah, I need that to help me. Some constitutions do. In Chinese medicine, um, for most people, cold is not good for the digestion. It slows it down. If you mm. think about something, water turns into ice, it gets frozen, it's still, it stagnates. Wow. And so you can think about cold does the same thing in your system. Whereas the warmth, like you said, it sort of gives you the energy. Think about water bubbling over. That's an energy it's a moving energy so a lot of people do better with warmth than mm. cold 
Yeah, I definitely do like uh, room temperature uh, beverages yeah. over anything else. And I also read somewhere that like it's not good to drink with your food. So like when you're having dinner, it's like you're either eating or drinking, but yes. don't eat and drink together. Have you? Yes, it dilutes your digestive enzymes. Oh, really? So it makes it harder for your own digestive enzymes to process your food. So when you, when you eat dinner, are you not drinking anything? Like not even tea or I, I mean, mean I am. You are right. <laughs> okay, like I don't follow everything I know. Right, okay? absolutely, <laughs> but, absolutely, right. But I know not but to. Optimally, <laughs> yes. optimally, you optimally, would, you wouldn't. Okay. Yeah, I don't actually. I don't always drink with my food mm -hmm. because of that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've definitely been more conscious of it, and it's made me. Um, uh, aware of how I'm preparing my foods more to make mm. sure that I'm not drying it out so that I can. And then it makes you also want to have more vegetables because vegetables right. have a lot of water already in water. it that Absolutely. then you don't need to. Um, I've just I've just been such a geek over, over food lately mm -hmm. because uh, so I don't uh, have liquids with my meal. And then I also... Um, eat my foods from uh, most digestible to least digestible. Oh. So, like, if I have, um, you know, like, I had salmon, sweet potatoes, and a salad the other day. Mm -hmm. So, I ate the salad first, and then the sweet potatoes, and then the salmon was last. Oh. Um, and, it, and it's just, it goes back to the idea of, like, if you're going to eat, you shouldn't eat meat and fruit together. Right. But if you are, eat the fruit first. Uh, so that it digests, and then put the eat, and then eat the meat after. Uh, yeah, that's amazing. So. That's great, and that's been feeling good for you. It has, it has, and, and it's kind of cool to have like a, a order of operations. You know, it's like mm -hmm. I think about math. Like you have to do things in a certain order. Yeah. Um, and and so like it's been interesting to apply that with food, which isn't always inter easy because if you're eating a burrito. It's just right. all in there, yes. right? So ideally, I'm thinking that's how you would do it. You know, I try to watch nature videos. I'm like, what is that? How is that lion eating? Right. You know? <laughs> yes, we are a microcosm of yeah. the universe. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like even a bear, he's just like, you know, he's just tossing the, the fish in and, and, uh, and moving on. He's not like having appetizers right. with his salmon. <laughs> At least not that we know. I don't know what's going on in the cave. I'm sure he wouldn't he turn away a burrito. <laughs> <laughs> so in this beautiful office that you have, I see you have, yeah. you have coloring books. Yes. Um, it, I'm, I know we seem to be all over the place, but all this information is, is valuable. I have a friend who was just telling me to uh, a sleep hack. Mm -hmm. um, color 15 minutes before bed. With your non-dominant hand. Oh. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And it, it's a way of shutting off your, your prefrontal cortex. Yeah, yeah, your brain. Shutting down that chatter. Mm -hmm. and uh, it, But also, because you're using your non-dominant hand, you have to be present because you're not used to using that non-dominant mm -hmm. hand. So you, you like really got to pay attention to what you're doing. That but it's not so, so challenging. Right. That you, you get frustrated and then quit, you know. I mean, med, uh, coloring on its own is very meditative mm. and can be equivalent to meditation. Uh -huh. So for a lot of people who don't have a hard time with meditating and they don't actually want to try that, I often recommend that they color because of that same, it gets you into that brain state. Really? Mm. Huh. Now, it's, uh, let's go into that meditation because yesterday we, we were talking about meditation and uh, uh, nidra? nidra, nidra, yoga, nidra, yoga, nidra. Uh, can you talk to us about that and how you use that to help you sleep? So yoga, nidra, uh, they say an hour of yoga, nidra is equivalent to three hours of sleep, mm -hmm. which I feel is accurate because when I do yoga, nidra and I just wake up so refreshed the next day and the quality of my sleep feel significantly better than when I don't do it. Mm. Um, yeah, it's just really powerful. I, I've, I, I do it also. Um, I use it to start my day. There's mm -hmm. a yoga nidra. Um, but last night I was going to do it to, to go to bed at night 
last night, and I just ended up doing like a quick five minute uh, meditation. But uh, I definitely went straight to bed. Uh, I realized like if you if you meditate for too long mm-hmm. before bed, it can almost wake you up. Yes. Um, it's too stimulating. It also it depends on the meditation. Oh, too, I, I think. Right, right. I feel that it does. Okay, right, yeah. because like you said, yoga nidra uh, could help you to go to sleep. Sure, because oftentimes with the yoga nidra, like I'll be asleep long before it's over. Wow. Yeah. Even I was gonna, e- I'm gonna email you the, a link to one yes, of the ones that I love. Please. Yeah, love it, love it. And then, do you have any other sleep hacks besides the yoga nidra? I mean, writing down your to do list before bed. I think is really impactful for people whose brains don't stop. I used right. to be one of those people that I was constantly thinking about what I needed to do the next day. Yeah. Um, and it would produce a lot of anxiety. So just getting those thoughts out of your brain and onto paper yeah. makes your brain feel like, okay, they're somewhere safe and we don't have to keep reminding you about it. So I think writing things down before bed is incredibly helpful. It's so huge. I, I, I used to, you know, watch TV to go to sleep. Mm. And and then like I wake up with this anxiety of like I'm supposed to do something today. What am I supposed to do? Blah blah blah. But you're right when you when you take notes of things you're supposed to do the next day, but also write down um, things I observed from the day mm-hmm. at the end of the because you don't realize how many things happen in a day that right. you forget. I mean, just getting people to recall what they had for breakfast at around dinner time <laughs> forget it's it. tough they yeah. go wait what did i have did i even have breakfast uh you know so when, when you think about the fact that you can't remember what you had for breakfast half the time by the end of the day um and then you start to take stock of what you read what you saw what you heard how you felt mm-hmm. things like that you realize you had a much richer day than um than you thought you had absolutely and that i think that begins helping you process the day, which is what we are doing in our sleep, why it's so important for our recovery. Um, But I think it starts to help you get into that processing mode, which we need in order to be fresh the next day. Right. So in this beautiful office, what what are people coming to you for? This this Uh, beautiful space that you have. Thank you. Um, They come for stress. They come for anxiety. They come for depression. Yeah. I mean, that can be anything, whether they're not struggling in their career, but they're trying to get to the next level or they're trying to create something and they might find themselves stuck or just not being able to get beyond their own mind to do something. Um, I also see teenagers who are stressed out with school um, and busy moms just trying to juggle everything. So I would say those are sort of the three main groups and then women predominantly women who are trying to find relationships get out of relationships trying to find you know the their partner in life it it should be so much easier to date with all these apps right (laughs) but it's not it's really bizarre (laughs) why why are they are they sharing with you like some of the the, the struggles of dating? Or I mean, I think the, the biggest thing that I hear over and over again is that the story, I had a really great connection with this guy. Mm-hmm. We really hit it off. We had a great conversation. And then he ghosted. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of ghosting that's happening. Mm-hmm. And I think people really just long for closure and communication. Um, and even if it's just like, you know, I didn't feel chemistry... Like, so nice to meet you. Thanks for a great night. Right. That would feel so much better. Than not knowing. Than not knowing because I think for a lot of people, it really uh, deteriorates their self-esteem Yeah. when that happens. Right, because you kind of take it personally. Like, is it something I said? Yeah. Did I do something? Or, or I wore the, the cologne? Like and what? then you <laughs> question yourself, like, did I read that totally wrong? Like, right. what? Oh, you know, yeah. was I missing something? Um, and then you start to doubt yourself and your own intuition wow so it's two-sided and i think then that really makes it hard to go in to the next date and like keep going and trying you know i i've talked about this in a previous podcast with uh jordan reed and and the the need for closure and i was saying because i've go i've i've been one to ghost uh women also Mm -hmm. and part of it is when you 
try to do the mature thing and say, you know, hey, let's meet for coffee, let's talk, and you know, I, I, it was great, but this this doesn't work for me. Um, there's the attraction still there, mm. and so you end up you going with the intention of closure, but then you you guys end up hooking up again, or you know, it it it, it doesn't it doesn't resolve itself because what usually happens is that then the the woman doesn't she doesn't go quietly she's not like okay that makes sense she wants to talk about it and then she ends up talking you back into like oh maybe i and then you know so then it's like it, you connect again you connect again yeah and but your original instincts were always right that this should never have, you know it shouldn't go any further but it's just something in the cuz because she also shows up, and this is exactly uh, what Jordan did, is that uh, when she knew that, you know, the guy was wanting to break stuff off, that, like, she was dressed to the tens. She was gorgeous. <laughs> it's not like she showed up in a snowsuit and, right. like, hair undone. She dressed up like you're not going anywhere and, like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to change your mind. Kind of energy, and it and, and it then works. She does. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then they get back together, and then it's on again and off again, and then it becomes this whole huge, huge mess. So then, the the, the guy, you know, as a guy, I haven't experienced that a couple times. I just I send a text now. I feel like a text is maybe some people don't think that's okay, but I feel like that's can often be the cleanest way, right? Because then you can really thoughtfully say what you want to say and take a moment to respond and not get lured in by right. chemistry or, or, you know, that other stuff yeah. that gets in the way. Yeah. Cause that's the thing is, you know, it's not cause sometimes you break off not necessarily because there isn't chemistry, but because maybe the, your values don't align. Right. Right. Yeah. For whatever it is, maybe, right. you know, there doesn't even need to be like a good reason. Like maybe uh, it's just, right. you just know that it's not right. Yep. Yeah. Um, but I think that closure piece, like women are really missing that right now. So can you talk to us about how acupuncture helps to relieve stress and anxiety? Yeah. It's, I feel like it's something that people are still uh, learning about. You know, everybody knows about massage. Oh, that feels good. Right. But. And I think people often think about acupuncture. Oh, I'll go in for some sort of pain, like my back pain, my knee pain, something yeah. like that. But the reason I got into acupuncture was because my acupuncturist always helped me. Yes, he helped me with, like, a cold, but he would also help me, like, if I broke up with my boyfriend. Wow. And um, for me, that emotional support was way more impactful because I would go in feeling broken down, mm -hmm. and I would leave feeling like myself again. Mm. So there's something about just that realignment of energy that just helps you feel back to you. And I combine acupuncture with some other techniques that really just help clear away stress and help you think your, pers you know, you think a different way, your perspective can be a little bit different so that you end up leaving my office feeling like the most powerful version of you again, like you can take on the world. Um, and so it really can address any sort of emotional, mental, spiritual issues as well. Yeah, because I just had acupuncture done recently, and I was on a high. I forget what you call it. Accu-stoned. I was accu-stoned for a few hours. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I literally felt like I was floating out of the office. It was incredible. It's amazing. Yeah. And so what's cool, too, is like you have that feeling for a few hours, but the more acupuncture you get, it's cumulative. So the time you spend in that empowered, floaty space is longer the more you get it done. Got you. Mm -hmm. And how, how often would you recommend? Is it is it different for a different? It's different for everybody. Um, if you actually have like a physical ailment you're trying to fix, probably, yeah. you know, one, two, maybe even three times a week. Gotcha. For people who come see me, it can be anywhere from once a week to if they've seen me enough, maybe they come in for like their you know, monthly tune-up once a month. Right, right. And so, because um, we, we talked about this yesterday, but the difference between stretching and acupuncture, and, 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 I, and I asked about the difference because I think of stretching as releasing energy. Like when you do yoga, mm -hmm. you're opening up the hips, and 
you find that um, in yoga class, uh, some people end up crying yeah. during parts of it because they are uh, uh, opening up their, releasing energy or getting the blood circulating in the areas that haven't been circulating in a while. Acupuncture, I, I'm assuming, works in kind of the same way. What's the? It is similar in that way because the belief system is that there are these pathways like yeah. highways of energy in your body. We call it chi. Yeah. And then there are blockages, like traffic jams, yeah. right? And when you get a traffic jam in one spot, you start to see it, the backup, you know, goes, can go far. Yeah. And so all acupuncture does is remove the traffic jam so that the energy can flow. And I think it gets at it a slightly different way than something like yoga, but there is a similarity there. You really are just moving energy. Yeah, because in, in yoga, you're not doing anything with your ears. Where, like, when I go to acupuncture, they're, they're putting needles in my ears and, like, in the, in the webbings of my hands and, and in between my feet. So they're, they're, they're getting places that yoga and stretching uh, don't necessarily address uh, normally. Right. And, uh, like, those places that you mentioned, um, like the point in the web of your fingers, yeah. relates to your large intestine. So that relates to your digestive system. So you're getting into your organ system function as well. Yeah, because uh, what were we saying about rubbing the ears and that, mm -hmm. that re relaxes the whole body? I sent you the... <laughs> yeah, I saw that this morning. I was cracking up. But he said, work your pressure points. And yeah. he was talking about right. acupun acupuncture pressure points. Okay. Because in each ear, there's 250 acupuncture points. And when you, um, and the ear, like we were just talking about microcosms of the universe, the ear is a microcosm of the human body. If you look at it, the lobe looks like a baby's head. It looks like a fetus, like the back kind of looks like the spine. And so it represents the whole body. And there's a point to activate every part of the body. So when you massage all those points, all of your ears, you're actually relaxing your whole nervous system head to toe. It's the same thing with the feet? Yes. Because you go to these massage like places. Reflexology. Like, okay. Yeah. So that's just the feet, and then that relaxes. So the ears, feet. It's similar. Would hands it be the too. hands too? Yes. But if you were to pick one, ears, feet, or hands, what would you – or it just – I mean – I would love for someone to rub my feet. So that feels <laughs> great. <laughs> but at home, that doesn't work quite as well as me rubbing my ears. So right, right, I think right. it's all good. I think it's, you know. Right. The ears is like something you could do, especially yes. if you're in traffic or. Right. You know. At any moment. And right. it doesn't look weird. Like no one's going to really, <laughs> know to, you know, if I take my shoes off yeah. <laughs> in the middle of a conference, it's not going to go over too well. <laughs> so, you know, that's interesting because there are people who fiddle with their hands mm -hmm. and really they it would probably be more beneficial to, to, to do a little acupressure on their hands sure. versus just fiddling. But even just like, I think intuitively, subconsciously, we know just how when something hurts you, you automatically put your hands on it. Right. Um, I think in some somewhere in our system, we know that just pressing on our hands is a way of relieving something. No, it's true because, uh, you know, like the, the prefrontal cortex uh, is at the front part of the brain and when we're trying to think of something, we automatically put our hands yes. on our on the front of our brain. We're like, oh, what is it? Come on, think. And we're actually like trying to jar it loose. Yes. And without even really knowing our our physiology, that you know, that is the thinking part of your brain. Like we're not like beating the back of our heads trying to figure something right. out. We're always it makes so yeah, much sense. I yeah. think intuitively we do Absolutely. know these things. Um I also saw that you're working on a book. I am. Yeah, you were hel holding out on me yesterday. The book has been in process for quite a few years, and I have this beautiful draft, and it's complete. And there's just something that has – I haven't taken it to the next step yet. Okay. But I think life is starting to unfold and showing me that that's not um, – I have some other things to – manifest before the book comes now is it you're going to keep the book title the same yes okay currently there are no plans to change it okay and it's, so it's called unstoppable the overwhelmed girl's guide to life i love it mm -hmm. um now now girls now is this for little girls or is this for, no, women, it's for women, or women okay you know 
it's you know your girls your best <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> your, your tribe yes. yeah, yeah <laughs> your why peeps. not yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's yeah i would imagine like you're distilling all the all the questions and and things and from the clients that you've worked with and the, and the people that in the, in the school and yeah and i really have um discovered that at the core of all stress um or that stress is really the factor the thing that separates you from like living your best life because when you and I are talking here if I'm feeling fear or nerves or insecurity that's going to show up in how I speak to you it's going to make it so that I'm not present with you um, or that I'm not totally listening because I'm listening to my own head chatter but if I can have techniques and tools to teach myself how to remove that piece of stress or how to process that stress then I'm totally able to be here with you and what a far better result and interaction we will have because of that. How, how, how do, um, what are some of those tools and techniques on how to be present, especially in a conversation when so many people are in their phones? I see, you see it at dinner all the time. Right. A couple and they're texting who they'd rather be with. or everyone's like doing uh, like when you're in preschool the kids play side by side they call it parallel play Uh, i feel like that's what we're starting to do as adults like we're all parallel playing yeah yeah Yeah. uh so what are your strategies for like being present well (sighs) is that is that a is that question yeah it does for me uh there's a decision that takes place beforehand. Mm -hmm. So yesterday I knew that I was going to be a little anxious about doing our podcast Mm -hmm. together. And so I did some tapping before um, some emotional freedom technique before I came over because I knew that that stress could possibly get in the way of me just being present with you. And so the tapping helped me Mm. just be there. Can you talk more about the tapping? I yes. mean, I know a little bit about it. So for tapping the, for the is a technique that uses acupuncture points, but instead of using needles, you actually tap with your fingers on different points on the body, and you do it as you're saying the things that stress you out, um, and it helps bring the stress level and the cortisol level down. Can you give us an example of, of where, where you tapped yesterday and then what you were saying, or if you want to yeah, give us another? Yeah, so... I was saying, some of the things I was saying were like, even though I'm a little bit nervous about doing this podcast today, I love and accept myself. And then I went through all the things I'm nervous about that I'm not going to know what to say, or maybe I'm not going to connect, or maybe I'm going to fumble over my words. And so I kind of went through all the things that I was afraid of. And then as that stress started to calm down, then I was able to... uh, basically implant the positive things like I can see the possibility where I will connect with Leo where I will be able to connect with everyone who's listening or that I'll be able to bring my gifts into the world for whoever needs it Um, and just starting to come from that place then I was able to just be relaxed and easy and so much better Fantastic. Yeah. yeah it, so it sounds like you were acknowledging or first becoming aware of your fears versus like, you know, suppressing it. Like, I shouldn't be scared. I got this. You were right. just like, no, what What are the things that, um, uh, that I'm uh, afraid of or that? That's a huge part of the book for me is acceptance, mm-hmm. owning something, acknowledging, because I don't think you can't. I can't just run over the fear because it's so strong. Um, That's never really going to be fully an authentic outcome or it's going to be an outcome that depletes me. So for me, acceptance is the first most important piece of getting through any issue. You have to have that ownership, that acknowledgement. And then what, so that being the first piece, what would you say the second piece is? And then once the acknowledgement is there and the stress level comes down, um, then you can really see things for what they are. And then you can put in the positive thing. So it's like if I am trying really hard to grow my business 
and let's say I have this aspiration to be a billionaire, I can't just um, tell myself I'm a billionaire every day. My system will reject that because it's like that is just, it's not true, right? right? So I have to kind of approach it like, okay, well, where am I at? And have complete acceptance of what my reality actually is. And then once that I have an acceptance of that reality and then I've taken the stress out of it, now I can look at it and say, okay, well, maybe I can pick some thoughts that are actually helpful. Like, I could become a billionaire. How could I become a billionaire? What ideas do I have that could actually, you know, contribute to the world in such a way that that would be the result I produce? So then my brain is actually able to create something um, that is actually helpful, that is actually helpful to me. That, you know what? That makes a lot of sense. Uh, you know, a, a good buddy of mine, Brian Callen, he talks about um, getting better at asking yourself better questions. Mm -hmm. you, I think, you know, a lot. most of us are programmed at um, telling ourselves what to think, what to do. And, and then that shows up in relationships and the way we communicate and we're, we're more direct or dictatorial. How do you say that? It's more of a dictatorship. Right. You know, it's like a one-way street versus really taking the time to ask yourself questions so that your brain can actually come up with more ideas on instead of saying, I want this or I want that. It's like, how can I get this? What's the pathway to that? Um, how are some ways I can alleviate such and such? What do I need right now? Yes. Um, you know, asking yourself better questions. This is a, a tool that I teach. So I talk about asking better questions mm -hmm. and torture questions. So we often ask ourselves torture questions. And the premise for all of this is that our brain is like a computer, uh, like a detective that has to answer any question you ask of it. So if I ask you, what's your name? The answer is just pops in right away. It's like your brain is already like at work, like, ooh, I know that, mm -hmm. I know that one. So when you ask yourself what I call a torture question, which is um, like for the women in dating is like, why does this always happen to me? Or why didn't they like me? Mm -hmm. That question, why didn't they like me? What answers is your brain going to give? Right. It's going to give all the reasons why they possibly could have not liked you. And then you're just going to feel terrible about yourself, and that's going to perpetuate that. So I, this whole idea of asking better questions, it's like, well, what's a better question there? A more productive question would be, um, well, what went great about that? You know, why was this situation good for me? What did I learn in this process? You know, those questions are way more productive. They're going to lead you to answers that help you feel better about yourself, that are going to help you feel like you want to move forward versus the torture questions, which are just, you know, going to leave you huddled up in a corner crying. <laughs> it's, it's so true. You know, um, there's this book called Never Split the Difference, and mm -hmm. he was saying that um, why questions make people defensive. Yes. Like, why are you late? Why did you do that? Why, why, why? And so and but we also have that tendency to ask ourselves why questions, mm -hmm. which makes us defend instead of expanding and thinking of the, the bigger picture. And it, it brings to mind, um, like, uh, uh, where, where was I going with this? Or it's like, why are you so angry? Or, you know, another, but a better way to ask that question instead of asking that torture question, because then they're going to give you reasons why like they're angry. all the reasons. Right, all the <laughs> Every reason, yes. <laughs> oh, I'm going to tell you why. I'm right. Yeah. Um, instead of saying, how can we connect? Or right. what, at, or where, where do we, where, where can we find peace? Or how can I understand you? Uh, oh, wow. Right. How can I understand you? Yeah. Like, tell, uh, explain to me, how can I help you? Mm -hmm. That's going to create such a different conversation than the why are you so angry. Right, right. Yeah, I'm like replaying so many different scenarios in my head right now. I'm like, oh, I should have, you know, I got defensive or I shut down in some cases. And uh, and I know that's like, especially like when you look at uh, relationship dynamics, mm -hmm. there's usually, you know, it's usually the man who shuts down and, the, and then he's complaining about the woman nagging. But really, they're both trying to 
they haven't figured out how to ask the right questions so that they're right. coming closer together instead of pushing each other away or going in Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and being def- you talk about being defensive, and yeah. I don't know if you're familiar with Byron Katie. Um, she's this amazing teacher. And she talks about being defensive as being an act of war. Mm. Because the moment you feel defensive, the conversation's over. There's nothing um, that can happen from that point forward because now you're just in that you fight or flight. Up, yeah, you right. have a wall up. Yeah. There's something to defend. I'm ready to fight you. Yeah. Um, so that's something even in my own relationship, I'm really practicing, like noticing where I'm being defensive and, okay, maybe I can ask a better question here. Maybe there's a different way I can approach this. Yeah, and that's the beauty of journaling, too, is mm-hmm. that it, because, um, like, when I journal, I like to, on Sundays, and I want to get into Sunday scaries, <laughs> on Sundays, I like to look at what I've observed through the week mm-hmm. and and then see how I interpret it differently with time mm-hmm. put in between it. You know, it's like, you know, Monday something happens that may have upset me, but then on Sunday I have clarity on Monday's incident. And now I'm inter- I go, oh, this is what that was about. That wasn't about that at all. Or, uh, But it, it's, it, it empowers you to go into your week because you're re- kind of reviewing the week before and the lessons learned and things that worked and things that didn't work. And, and I like to write down quotes and things like mm-hmm. that from whatever I pick up. And then I go, oh, here's what I want to take with me into the next week. So yeah. every week I'm kind of accumulating these these skills and weapons and tools and thoughts. And letting go of what a- you don't Absolutely, need. absolutely, absolutely. It gives me a chance to reframe uh, what's taking place. And you're really just observing your own mind, which I think is the most powerful tool that we have. If you can actually be an observer of what's going on in those thoughts of yours, then you I mean, your thoughts are the only thing you do have control over. So the more you can be observant and know what's going on in there, then you can actually make choices about what you think and how you move forward. Uh, can you talk to us about the should and shouldn't be? Yeah, so anytime you catch yourself saying something should or shouldn't be that way, mm-hmm. what you're actually doing is uh, arguing with the way things are. Right, right. And when you argue with the way things are, you're immediately putting yourself into a stress state. Right. And that does not help you. Right, because you're not you're not aware to you're not being aware and not being present to what is happening right now. It's like you should do this, you should do this, and versus saying, here's what is happening and, and now let's, you know, ease our way into something else or how can we you know, what do I need to actually change to make the situation better? Um, one of the things I've, I'm getting better at saying is uh, when you do this, I feel yes. this. Yeah. It's so hard because it's not natural. It's just easier to be like, don't do that. Oh, right. You're pissing me off. Uh, versus being present as to what the action is Mm -hmm. and then being aware enough of what is the feeling because there's so many different emotions you know we just talk about the the main ones happy angry but sometimes you feel overwhelmed or lonely or Mm -hmm. disconnected or sad Mm -hmm. like nobody ever or unloved right unloved right unheard unseen Mm -hmm. Um, and nobody, nobody ever cops to that because that, that's not really part of our daily. Right. So to be aware enough to know that that's what you're really feeling and then to be able to express that, that takes cognitive. It takes a lot, yeah. yes. And when you're in the should or shouldn't be, you're also making yourself a victim to something. Wow. Because you cannot change your external circumstance, right? Right. right? You, I can't make you do something. You're your own person. Yeah. So when I say that you should do something, but you're not doing it, then all of a sudden I'm a victim to whatever you're doing. Right. And that leaves me feeling powerless. Yeah. So that 
right there, just taking ownership of how you actually feel and bringing that awareness to yourself then can start to give you your power back so that you can actually, you know, do something about it. What got you into into thinking, um, into being so holistic? Because I, I the, you know, 20 years ago when I went to acupuncturist, and I don't know if the, if the field of acupuncture has changed, but I just remember him going in and he just put a couple needles in me and, mm. you know, he asked like, about the physical stuff, right. but uh, but the acupuncturists that I know today um, are, are so much more um, uh, three hundred and sixty in their in their treatment, where it's not just needles going into you. It's like you said, like all these different ways of reframing your language, mm -hmm. looking at your nutrition, looking at your sleep. Uh, it's like a one stop shop. What what got you into? What made you um, what was the impetus for that? For acupuncture specifically or just this holistic? The whole, yeah, to going into the whole 360. I mean, for me, it really started, my parents were very religious uh -huh. and very strict. And I started rebelling, you know, when I was about 13. But my rebellion was reading like spiritual books. And I wanted to learn about other religions and things like that. I mean, I had other rebellious things that were not good for me. Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that really started to open my mind to this whole other realm that we are more than just a physical body. Yeah. And I think my life's journey, even just that my best friend's dad happened to be an acupuncturist, and I was always hear about this mysterious medicine, this mysterious practice that like made people feel really good was just all very intriguing to me. That, that makes sense because uh, I've always been into um, the us beyond the physical also. Mm -hmm. But part of that was me feeling like I'm a superhero. Yes. You know, like it's just like I was like, I think one day like I'm going to go to the doctor, going to draw my blood and be like, oh, you're the one. You yeah. know, like. <laughs> but I think we all feel that way. In part because it's a little bit true. Mm. I think that we all do have this ability to be magical in a way. Mm. Not like Harry Potter style magic, but to work with the powers that are bigger than us right. magic. Right. Right. And, um, you know, like when you're in that flow state and your day is just <laughs> unfolding, like in the best way possible... To me, I believe that that is like the superhero inside. That's like your true magical nature creating. As are you? Do you do spoken word or poetry? No, should I? Uh, I don't know. You was like just <laughs> unfolding inside. I was like, oh, is she about to do unfolding like a daffodil in the summertime? I was like, all right, go ahead, get it, girl. <laughs> um. Now, you also have been through postpartum depression. Yes. Can you, t can you talk to us about what that looks like and then how you made it through that? Yeah. So postpartum depression, I think, occurs differently for a lot of people. I think you had mentioned that you picture someone just like crying all day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right, and right. I think for some people it might look like that. Right. Uh, for me, it was a little bit different. Um, I think I had postpartum anxiety, so where I had this drive to protect and keep my child safe. Mm. So that was created a lot of anxiety that like if we took him out of the house, like that felt unsafe, like everything felt unsafe. And then there was the other piece, which was the depressive piece where, um, you know, being a new mom is hard. It really turns your life upside down in a lot of ways. And at the time, no one had prepared me or told me that that was going to be the case. And I think for me, I felt trapped. I felt like all of a sudden, like I had had this great life before that I had built. And my life was my own. And, you know, I could go to In-N-Out like at midnight if I wanted to. Like everything was just, there was all this freedom there. I was creating my life. Mm. 
And then when I had a child, um, I just felt stuck. It was like, oh, this life is like not about me anymore. And I can't go and do the things that I want to do. And I was really believing those types of thoughts. Um, and over time, it just progressively got worse and darker. And I used to fantasize about running away, but didn't feel like I could because, you know, moms shouldn't do that and shouldn't do that. And um, so it got really hard because I was believing that this was going to be my life for the rest of my life and I was going to feel stuck forever. Now, when I would go to work, I would feel fine because that was like back to me again. But the moment I'd set foot in the door of home, it was back to this, you know, the darkness. Right. And um, and part of it is Instagram makes it ma- makes motherhood look like it's the most beautiful, wonderful, easy. Right, and it does that's have that's all it. those beautiful things yeah. too, but it's also messy and chaotic, right. and yeah. you know, there's a whole other side. And I was, I knew I loved my child, but, and I was committed to his well-being, but I wasn't enjoying this process mm-hmm. at all. And so I would fantasize about running away, and um, my. Turned like at one point, my friend was getting married up north, and my husband knew that I wasn't totally feeling like myself. And he was like, "Why don't you just go? Go on a road trip. You love a road trip. Um, you listen to music. Like, be with your friends. It'll be great." And I went, and it was incredible. Right? I had like open road, all this freedom, um, and it was just like the best weekend ever. I felt pretty. Like it was just fun. And then on my drive home, I was like, okay, I'm back to me. Like, I'm ready. I'm going to own this mom thing, and I'm going to be in it, and I'm doing it. And I was, like, pep-talking the whole drive home. And then when I got home, um, I don't remember exactly what happened, but my son and my husband a little bit, like, something happened. Like, there was, like, a trigger, and there was an upset. And that thought came back in that was like, oh, you should have not come back here. It was that drastic difference, that juxtaposition between how great the freedom was to all of the sudden, not that. Right. And so that made everything I had been feeling just completely magnified. Mm. And after a couple of days of that, uh, my husband was out to work and... I was putting my son to sleep and he wouldn't go to sleep and he was crying and I couldn't take the crying. And um, I closed the door and I just sat in the hallway and I had a moment of thinking that the only way out of this is to kill yourself because there is no other good way out. And that thought felt so real, so logical, um, that I really believed it. But it was also that thought, Leo, that got me out because in that moment I had a flash that, oh, if that's the most logical thing, that that's the most logical answer that you really think is true, there must be something wrong with your brain right now because that that's not how you think. And it was in that moment that I saw like, oh, okay, there's like something going on with my brain. There's like something's not firing right. I'm believing something that's like not true. And so my husband came home and I shared what had happened. And the very next day I called my acupuncturist because I hadn't been practicing self-care that whole time because I didn't believe that I could. And I found a therapist and it was through acupuncture and therapy. Like within three weeks, I was 85% back to me again. Wow. That, um, (sighs) thank you one for sharing that Mm -hmm. story. Um, and two, um, the sometimes we we don't realize how that we have to use things in conjunction 
right? Like some people sometimes will go to therapy and then say therapy doesn't work, or they'll go to acupuncture mm-hmm. and say acupuncture doesn't work. But it takes a, it takes a team. Yes. It takes a village. It takes a, a 360 view at what's going on, addressing the physical and the mental and the spiritual and all those different things that help get us back to ourselves, if not a better version uh, of ourselves, Yeah, right? It was through, um, I needed all the things. And even now in my regular life, like I have a team of people I see because I know that all those things work well together for me. And it was through both of those things that I was able to really see that what was happening in my brain was that I was believing that I was trapped. And what the truth was that I could have always left. I could have walked out the door at any moment. People do. And um, when I realized that I actually could have done that and I actually gave myself the choice, okay, Carmen, you have the choice. You can leave right now. You really, really can. What do you choose? And it was in that moment that I realized that I choose not to leave. I choose to stay. And even though it's hard, I choose to stay. And that's how I got my power back. And that's how I found freedom. So beautiful, so well said. Uh, that's probably going to be the title of this episode. Mm-hmm. I choose to stay. Mm-hmm. It's so fantastic. Uh, and, and and you know, the, and the powerful thing I also want to point out is, you know, when you use the word only, like, you know, we when we get into that black and white thinking yeah. of only, always, never, uh, it limits our view. It goes back to us asking better questions and, and, and expanding our view of, of what's happening. But when we say, uh, my only way out is this, this is my only option, um, then you're limiting your view and you're kind of telling your eyes where to focus versus seeing what is, what all there is right. that's available to you, the infinite possibilities. There are so right? many options. There are so many I really didn't believe that there was any way out. Yeah. But now over here on this side of it, there were so many ways out. I didn't even have to get to that point had I, you know, stayed on top of my self-care or, you know, those other things. There there were other ways I just wasn't seeing them. Yeah. And and self-care is so, you know, I think especially and I'm sure you see this with your moms, they think it's selfish. Right. To take care of themselves, to take a moment for themselves, to take a Monday off, to to go to a therapist, to get acupuncture, mm-hmm. to, to get a foot massage. And it's really, it's like, the, if you are able to take care of yourself, then you're able to take care of those around you uh, even better and take care of the work that you're that you were put on this planet for, to share your gifts. I so agree. And I think in that respect, it is good to be selfish Mm. because if I'm not taking care of myself, then who is? Does that mean I expect you to take care of me? Mm. Do I expect my husband to be in charge of my happiness? Mm. No. I don't want to be in charge of his happiness. I want him to be responsible for his own. Right. Show up happy. Don't, yeah. don't put that. <laughs> you know, I'm not in charge of, you know, right. how you feel you are. Right. And so if we all took ownership of, you know, just taking care of ourselves, how much better our relationships would be. We would all feel empowered um, and we would just all be healthier. We would be so much healthier. Yeah, I remember uh, in, in the past relationships, if, if I were getting an argument and I felt myself upset, I'm like, you know what, I'm going to go for a walk or take a boxing class. Mm-hmm. And I would ultimately come back 100 times feeling better yeah. and then really ready to engage to and have, have a, a dialogue and be present. And, you know, but I was like, I, I'm not, um, you know, and this, there's a book uh Abraham Lincoln, it's about Abraham Lincoln, it's called uh, Lincoln's Melancholy. Mm. And he talked to, because he was suicidal, 
um, for uh, most of his life. Uh, he was on suicide watch twice. His friends, you know, uh, isolated him and things like that. But he would talk about when he felt uh, emotional or unhinged. He would call it unmanned. Mm. He's like, I feel a bit unmanned right now. And and so in those moments where I felt unmanned, I realized I I have to put I have to put myself back together again. Yeah. And it's not on your spouse who is going through their own stuff. Right. And so if you're going through something and she's going through something, you can't fix each other. You have to. Just everybody be in charge of yourself. (laughs) (laughs) It's like in school. Everybody keep your hands to yourself. Yes. Be in charge of (laughs) yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Carmen, thank you, first of all, for for doing this episode again and this podcast again. And and at the end of every episode, I always ask, because I feel like, there's always someone who's listening in who's on a precipice of, of taking their life. Uh, what would you say to that person before you kill yourself? I mean, I would say that you're really one thought or one belief away from a whole new possibility. Just be willing to see it a different way, to ask yourself a different question. Because there are so many options out there. There really are. Thank you so much, Carmen Margaziotis. Yes. Uh, where can people find you? You can find me at CarmenMargazi.com um, and on Instagram at Carmen Margazi. And I'll link all that stuff in the show notes. Oh, last question I want to ask you because yeah. I know you like to read. Uh, what's, a, what's a book that uh, that has impacted you or that? You've given other people that you've reread a couple of times mm-hmm. or? There are a few, but um, I just, the very first like spiritual book I read or the book that changed me mm. was Way of the Peaceful Warrior by yeah. Dan Millman. And I still read that book now and get so many insights from it. And I love sharing it just because it's a fun story. Um, that's one of my favorites. Love that. Mm-hmm. That was a really good book. It was. I th- did they make a movie? They did. They did yeah. make a movie. And yeah, the yeah. second book is also really good, Sacred Journey of the Peaceful Warrior. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So I'll link all that in the show notes. Carmen, thank you so much. Thank, thank you, you all Leo. for listening. Thank you. Uh, remember, this podcast is not a substitute for you uh, getting help for you calling the 1-800-SUICIDE number or uh, going to acupuncture going to therapy talk to somebody talk talk to an enemy call customer service <laughs> but uh but but your story needs to be heard wants to be heard your life is valuable we love you thank you for tuning in rating it five stars leaving comments on itunes and sharing it sharing is caring thank you for sharing these episodes and we will talk to you soon bye <laughs>